It's time to get into the death. To me, it's got a ring to it. A weekly podcast dedicated to covering the student-athletes, coaches, and teams of the University of Minnesota Morris Cougars. There is no better place than into the den. And now, from the home of the Cougars, let's go deep into the den. We're going to talk Cougar athletics. With your co-hosts, Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Award-winning, critically acclaimed, Into the Den. Back for another episode here, Mr. Grove. We never talk about these um, openings that we're going to do. That's news to me. I didn't know we were award-winning and yeah, well, critically it's not, acclaimed. And that's because it hasn't hit the official um, oh, I, I you know, can't wait. University of Minnesota Morris Twitter page. But there's all kinds of uh, big things coming from this. I, I can't wait. That's awesome. Correct. So, and there's other, I mean, other superlatives we could say, but I mean, the reality is we've got something special going on here, and uh, that includes this week's episode, too. I know we've got another busy uh, week of Cougar Athletics to recap, and as we've talked about a bunch of times, we just did with Matt Offline here, I can't wait to see our listener numbers now next year or next week after talking Cougar baseball. Alex Bauman is uh, right in our in our sights right now. Yeah. We've been talking to him about this for weeks and um, yeah, we're anxious to see the viewership or the listenership, I guess you should say, uh, absolutely skyrocket with this great episode with uh, Coach OB in with us today. Bauman, the star, the straw that stirs the drink. Absolutely, That's the reality of this thing. Yep, so absolutely. Um, as we reference, we've got uh, last week's re- uh, schedules and, and recaps to go back through. But before we get into that, we've got another fellow colleague of ours joining us here in studio um, that I'm really excited about uh, because, again, I, I'm going to be interested to hear his perspective, as far, especially coming from a, a program that really is is developing before our eyes and, and ascending to levels that we haven't even seen before. So uh, with that, Mr. Matt O'Brien, welcome to studio, sir. Wow, thanks for having me. This environment is electric, just so everybody knows. Well, that's we try to put that out, and then obviously with Jack Gala here, too. I mean, he just he just exudes it, you know what I mean? You can just feel it. He does. So here we go, Mr. O'Brien. Uh, first thing we have done every week with every coach, uh, no different with you is, is, and I'll preface this once again, we know you in this room, right? We've had the opportunity to work with you, to interact with you, with your students, et cetera. But if you would, um, just run me back through through your history. And in terms of where were your playing days, where did you go to school, um, born and raised, et cetera, et cetera. And then tie that into your coaching journey and how you ended up here at Minnesota Morris with us. Jeez. Okay. Um, so, uh, born and raised Winona, Minnesota. So 507, yep, right next to that little Lewiston, Minnesota <laughs> town of Matt Johnson. So, uh, who'd have guessed we'd end up connecting, but, uh, born and raised Winona, Minnesota, uh, played all sports growing up, um, kind of fell in love with baseball and realized I was pretty decent at it. And, uh, when I finished up high school, ended up going to, uh, North Iowa area community college to play baseball, spent two years there. Um, I was a pitcher. Um, and then I actually, uh, you know, had a bunch of buddies and a lot of family that was back home. So I had an opportunity to transfer back to, uh, Winona State University, uh, pitch there, was a part of a regional team. Um, and then, uh, while I was there, I got into coaching youth baseball, um, which led to, you know, me wanting to continue to do that. Uh, was an assistant at the area high school. Um, when I graduated with my degree at Winona State, I got it in uh, a teaching degree. And so teaching and coaching kind of went hand in hand for me. So um, after I was an assistant there um, at Winona Cotter High School, my alma mater, I uh, became the head coach there uh, for three years. 
Um, while I was working as a head coach there, my uh, former head coach at Winona State, Cal Polk, said, hey, how would you like to uh, work with our pitchers here at Winona State? And I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be really fun. And so I spent the next five years at Winona State as an assistant coach, pitching coach. Um, while I was there, spent the summer in the Northwoods uh, uh, Collegiate Summer League, working with the Madison Mallards as a pitching coach there. Met my wife at Winona State, um, and she said, hey, I love Winona, um, but can we go somewhere else to spend some time? So we ended up moving up to uh, Arden Hills, Minnesota, where she's from. Spent a year at St. Thomas University as an assistant coach. And then my last stop right before I got to Morris was out at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, which is a small Division One school um, where I was a pitching coach there. And then uh, my wife and I were looking to get back to Minnesota. And lo and behold, uh, the University of Minnesota Morris uh, opportunity came up. And, uh, you know, a little connection piece of that is both my my uncle, my aunt, and my uh, dad actually graduated from the University of Minnesota Morris. So um, very interesting stories with that connection pieces, but that's what kind of brought me here. And that's a, that's a great connection. I'd like to talk a little bit more specifically about that connection with Morris. Um, so you see the jobs available. You have some family connection. Beyond that, once you kind of delved in for yourself to find out what Morris was all about, what drew you to Morris? And... What has, has kept you here for a few years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, my dad, you know, we, he talked about Morris, you know, when I was growing up, but we had never been able to get out here to kind of check out the town. He said it was smaller. Um, but I like to think my dad's a pretty smart guy, so I knew that it had a really good academic reputation here. And so when the position became open, um, I didn't even tell him about applying. I didn't even tell him about interviewing. It was basically until... You know, I was down to one of the final candidates that I brought it up to him um, just because my wife and I are kind of very private that way until something's actually real. And uh, so, yeah, when when uh, when I started telling him that, you know, I was in that final, you know, three, um, you know, he was pretty excited. We talked about just, you know, um, the family atmosphere, um, small town, the convenience. Um, when I got on campus, to me, it was just uh, it felt like the most positive environment that I'd ever seen when I walked coaches, when I watched coaches interact, when I watched um, the student athletes walk in the halls, you could see that um, there was more there than just a campus. It, it did feel like family. Um, I actually talked to your brother, Paul, the head basketball coach here, a little bit about, you know, raising a family and things like that. And so, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where it just felt like, you know, the right fit. And then uh, for me, um, I've been at some winning programs um, so I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I had a chance to build something. And, uh, I thought this, you know, with the kids that I saw on the roster coming back, um, and the environment, I thought it would be a really special place to start. So you talk about that interview, which obviously, and thankfully I had a, a, a hopefully a big part in, but nonetheless, you're there. And I, I remember directly driving with you, um, over to Chiswick yeah. and showing you this. And at that point in time, and, and I know Tim, we we're going to talk about it today or are here, um, Cougar baseball since inception has played on campus. Uh, and then all of a sudden I had the opportunity to take you to Chiswick and say, this is my vision or our vision for this. Um, how do you envision yourself playing here? Uh, and of course your response to it is, we can make this happen. You know, and for those of you who haven't had an opportunity to see our setup for for small college baseball, Chiswick Field is an amazing venue. Yes, it's off campus, but it's not grossly off campus either. You know, there's, um, 
you know, there's an opportunity there. Talk a little bit about what that facility provides for you in terms of your program, because I know uh, Coach Grove here in a second is going to dig in kind of the recruiting piece of it too. But to me, that's a big part of, of Cougar baseball. Yeah, actually, the, the funny story with that is I, I did my homework, obviously, when I was going through the interview process uh, about the school, about where we played. Um, but I remember specifically coming to campus for my, my interview, and the first thing that I saw was Chiswick Field. And I actually drove into that parking lot and I walked around there and was like, this is, this is pretty special, you know? And um, it was one of those things then that when you took me around and brought me back to Chiswick and asked, you know, what do you think about playing here? I was like, absolutely. Cause it's got, you know, uh, it's got the, the scoreboard that pops out at you. It's got the rooftop deck. Um, you know, it's a very well-kept field and uh, the grandstands make you feel like fans are on top of you as players. And so if you get, you know, a, the right amount of people there, you know, it can be a really special environment to play some big games. And, uh, and I'm going to get to the recruiting piece in just a minute, but <clears throat> you mentioned kind of playing at Chiswick and, and a little bit of the, the Morris feel. Um, I'm sure you have noticed that, and Matt and I can attest to this as we've been involved in it for, for years, is the, the youth programs in Morris, specifically for baseball and softball, are really, really good. Um, whether it's the, the baseball association uh, or through community education, the opportunities for youth in and around the Morris area is phenomenal. Um, and it, it, so if you, could, if you could speak to that a little bit from, from your standpoint as the University of Minnesota Morris Cougar baseball coach, how does that tie in, if at all, with, with the Morris community kind of being all in on youth baseball? Yeah, there's actually a funny story that I, I bring up uh, just with recruits when we take them to Chiswick is uh, I'll never forget my, my first fall here. And um, we were starting to you know have more time and practice at Chiswick. And um, I was bringing equipment over on like a Sunday. And I'll never forget like the parking lot at Chiswick is pretty big and it was packed. And so I'm having a park like across the street. And I remember like walking up and, and there was a game going on. And uh, there's there's a lady sitting in a, in a lawn chair, and I'm like, uh, you know, what's going on? Like, who's playing? And she's like, oh, it's a it's a sophomore team. And I'm like, it's a sophomore team. I'm like, it's Sunday, you know, and <laughs> the, the Vikings are playing, you know, at this time. And um, you know, obviously, you know, we have our ups and downs. But I'm like, Sunday <laughs> football, you know, and um, you know, the sophomore team's playing, and and it's packed. And I, I remember being like, so everybody's here to watch the sophomore. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like. That's that's amazing, and she's like, "Why is that amazing? Isn't that like where you're from?" And I'm like, uh, "Not like this, you know. <laughs> like this is pretty incredible." So, um, from a community standpoint, uh, even where I, my house is, I remember just in the summer, just going out and looking across the way there, and, and it's just a packed house of kids playing baseball, playing softball, and uh, it's special because you know, in any any place you want to see the game, you know, grow and see the love of the game, and I think it's from an organizational structure. Um, of how they develop here is, is pretty special. And, um, you know, how we work together with them just helps with, too, you know, we want a lot of people at our games as well. And so I think, uh, you know, both parties, it's a good relationship. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Like I say, Matt and I have been, have been heavily involved with the youth programs as our kids are coming through. And, and um, not that I have a lot of things to compare it to, because obviously this is where I have raised my kids. Uh, but I can't imagine a... a, a a town this size that has 
as much great experience uh, for our youth that uh, that Morris does. So just kudos to everybody that's been involved with that. It's been really a uh, a neat thing, and I know a great experience for our our kids, and something that Lewis can look forward to as he um, grows up in town here as well. Let's switch a little bit now to talk recruiting. Um, I think the the thing that I like to ask first is. One, what do you look for in recruits? How does that tie into what Morris is? Um, and then where do you get your recruits from? Are there certain pockets that you look for? Just kind of talk to us in generalities about, uh, about your recruiting process. Yeah, and, and I first want to give a little shout-out to our assistant coaches, our coaching staff here, Mason Rapp and, and Harry Ballantyne. They do a really good job, too, of uh, you know, playing a big role in our recruiting. Um, but you know, I think what we always look for – we kind of share our vision as a staff of, you know, what do we want our team to look like and what kind of people do we want to work with? And that's the one thing over the years of either playing or coaching that I think is so important is, you know, I think you win with good people. And, you know, you can have some talented kids out there, um, but if they're not the right fit, you know, it, it's not going to help your program. And so um, it's really important through the recruiting process that, yes, we're looking for, you know, athletic, you know, talented individuals um, that can play specific roles for us. But, you know, um, through those first calls and, and talking to other coaches, you know, what kind of people are they, you know, and um, we really stress, you know, uh, self-motivated, passionate individuals um, because we want, you know, for us, we feel like we are, you know, really good at teaching the game. Um, so we need to have um, people that really want to learn, that want to put in that extra time and uh, are, are willing to do things on their own to develop their game. So self-motivated, passionate um, are big things we look for. Um, I think, you know, when you ask, like, where do we get our recruits? Um, kind of all over. Uh, I think I said we have is it nine different states. I just threw a – we just had a top ten countdown for mm -hmm. playing. Saw that, yes. Um, but, you know, we have right now guys from Arizona, uh, Colorado, um, obviously Minnesota, Iowa – um, New Mexico, uh, Washington, Utah, uh, Illinois. So, I mean, we're kind of... Nebraska. Nebraska, mm -hmm. yeah. Nebraska, actually, Omaha is kind of a pipeline for us right now. So we've got three guys on our current roster from Omaha and, and a 24 uh, coming in from there. So, so he, here's a, a, a play off of that, and it's one that, that I'm totally stealing from, from Tim, but it's uh, given you an opportunity, so you've got that that thirty seconds with a recruit, with a mom and dad, with a whoever those deciding people are, and you have an opportunity to just say, "Hey, this is Cougar baseball." What does that look like, or some high points of that thirty second, um, you know, time with them? And I mean, the the follow up to that then right away is, I'm sure, how much does the Cougar play by play broadcast team come into that thirty second spiel too? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> So, yes. Yeah. Um, and that does come in. That gets brought up actually quite a bit on our recruits, especially when we're touring Chiswick. Um, yeah, I think uh, from a 30-second, what do we kind of look at? I think the biggest thing our, our coaching staff is, is, you know, we try to be as transparent as possible with our recruits. You know, we, we want them when they come here um, to be, you know, hopefully better than even what they imagined it. And so I think it's really important that, you know, you share your vision of where you see the program and, and the environment and culture that you have with your program. And so, um, like our players give the visit, they do the tour, so they get that amount of time to interact with them. And uh, I think it's really important that, you know, obviously as parents and as a player, you want to know who's going to be kind of coaching you and, um, you know, helping you become a better person. But the, the people you're going to spend the most time with are going to be your teammates. And so, um, I think we, we talk about that family aspect of, of we really mean that when you come here, we're a part of a family and 
you know, we, we want everybody to have kind of a, you know, a role or an identity of where we see them being and help them get to that point, maximizing their ability. But, um, yeah, I think it's just showing them like, for me, we, we, you'll see like the play for the pile on a lot of things and stuff like that. But, um, we use that as, uh, you know, you know, that's kind of our vision of where we see our program going and we want everybody kind of bought into that vision and coming together and accomplishing stuff as a team. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, just to, to, one last thing on recruiting is it used to be, you know, when you see six, 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 seven guys walking around campus, you'd assume, oh, that's the, that's the men's basketball mm-hmm. team. Well, now it's like, well, maybe the men's basketball team are OB's pitchers yep. because he gets some, uh, he gets some good length on the mound out there. Does that come into play? Do you, is that something you specifically look for in terms of, of, uh, with your pitchers? Yeah. I think my assistant coaches would probably laugh at that one a lot, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a height guy, you know, I mean, for pitchers, especially when you're, uh, you know, you throw up a mound, so you're elevated for a reason, you know, so if you can get a guy that can throw downhill, get some good extension, you know, no matter how hard he's throwing, maybe via the radar gun, it's going to be different because it's going to be a couple miles an hour more just feeling like he's on top of you when you're throwing. So, yeah, we like height, um, but I also like guys that are, you know, obviously ready to go because some of those those big, tall guys, they can be a little bit of a work in progress sure. as well. Sure. Yeah. Well, 60 feet, 6 inches gets a lot shorter when you're 6'6". Yeah. Six, six. I know that, so... <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it's about all ultimately throwing in the zone and, and picking your spots because you could be a Brian Vanu on the opposite end mm-hmm. of it, right? Yeah. And not have that stature but still be able to sling it. Or, well, Schaff. I mean, a bunch yeah. of our of your pitchers. Let's uh, transition to the current roster. Um, if you could talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the, the leaders that you have um, on the current roster, who are the guys that you count on, whether it's on-field stuff, off-field stuff, um, Give us a, a little look into the current roster and, and kind of what that looks like for you. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting because um, we're incredibly young if you look at our freshman and our sophomore class. But because of how many sophomores we have, um, it feel feels like that played a lot their freshman year. It feels like we're experienced. And so, <clears throat> like, we have, you know, only about, I think it's like five or six seniors, six seniors, and then um, two juniors. And then the rest are sophomores and freshmen that make up uh, our 30 or 29, 30 man roster. So um, within that, we have, you know, uh, some sophomores that actually are, are pretty big leaders on our team. Our, our team in general, it's an interesting uh, personality when I talk about our team because we're very, we're very quiet to a certain extent. So a lot of our guys are more lead by example. Uh, don't get me wrong, we have those guys that, you know, you put a quarter in them and they're going to go and go and go. Um, but I, I find that to be more with the younger classes, you know. So the sophomore class has a lot more of those personalities that aren't afraid to be vocal. And I know uh, Matt Johnson over here loves loves a little Ty Beasley. Uh, <laughs> I do love around. a little Ty Beasley. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, from a uh, kind of like what, what does our team look like, I think you have your, your older lead by example guys like an Alex Bauman that's, that's been with our program for a long time, their fifth-year seniors, and Brian Banyo is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Evan Benson would be another one I should make sure I throw in there too. Yeah. But those guys are really good. Um, when they speak, you know, their, their words carry a lot, um, but they're very quiet and they're more of lead by example guys and then as you start to trickle down our, our junior class has two juniors Joey Reiners and Cole Mamengay that are are pretty vocal themselves and um, have a lot of fun with our guys so um, their success kind of brings some more advice and things like that with them but yeah I would say um, in that sophomore class Ty Beasley you know your Keegan Jonas um, those guys are going to be a little bit more vocal 
um, and had those personalities where, gosh, with Coach Rapp in there, it's it's uh, it's pretty <laughs> interesting. There's a lot of shots fired, let's say, within our program. I love it. But I think that that different dynamic of personalities and things all come together ultimately with the same mission in mind, you know, and that's where you're talking about even with your recruiting pitch of of these are going to be the people that that you spend the most time with, that you have the most successes with, et cetera. So having some of those differing personalities is, is so important, right, to ultimately team culture, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing I want to make sure I hit on is just, uh, you know, we talk about that culture. Our guys being completely bought in, they love being Cougars. You know, like they love being a part of our University of Minnesota Morris campus. Um, you know, we've got guys from big schools. We've got guys from small schools, you know, bigger city states or bigger cities in different states. And um, the one thing that, that I love about it is when you walk around to, you know, I had a couple coaches say this before our season started. They're like, you know, how's practice going? And I'm like, well, we haven't started yet. They're like, well, that's that's crazy because I see, you know, like eight to ten guys lifting together or walking around to go get food and things like that. And so um, it's a really tight-knit group, and I think it's fun to see, you know, you have some guys that might not say more than five words at a time, and then you have another guys that you're kind of like, okay, we got to give you a word count, you know, to slow you down here. So <laughs> That's great. And we and we do see uh, both sides of that as – as you well know, we've got guys that work in and around the office and do a lot of different things for us in terms of work study and and that. And yeah, it ranges everywhere from Ethan Schmitz, who well, he can't get he, to be quiet. I, I mean, mean, Ethan oh, yeah. is just a chatterbox. <laughs> my goodness! <laughs> hey, shout out to Ethan Schmitz the other day. He actually asked a question in our uh, our Florida travel trip. So in I front mean, of everybody right else. In front of everybody else. He so. is normally doing like uh, the Pythagorean theorem and uh, trying to you know I don't whatever it's out of my range of whatever. But that's right. But, yeah. but he asked, that's huge, Ethan. And if you are listening, which now you probably are because Coach O'Brien is on, Ethan, so proud of you, man. That's Growing right. up before my eyes. Yeah. Oh, we did mention to him. We were on the way out the door today and mentioned to him, yep, Ethan, today's your day for your first listen on the pod. Yeah. So. And Bauman caught us on the way in, too, looking all, you know, Jerry curled out or whatever. Oh, and he'll be there. Yeah. Absolutely. You only saw his professional pictures when we took those, too. Just so you know, they'll, they'll be released and you'll <laughs> have some comments for those. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, so let's let's transition now. We talked a little bit about your current roster. Let's talk a little bit about, about the season. Um, you're coming off a phenomenal year, right? And and uh, so I guess the first question is, what are your expectations for the season? And then also, how would you define success? I know for a lot of people, it's from the outside, it's wins and losses. But you talk about so many other things that are important. And I think to us coaches, there are other things that are that are more important than that but yeah wins and losses is is also part of it um so first of all just expectations for the season and then defining success for you as we look at this season what does that look like yeah um you know last year was was a pretty special year um i know you know as a, as a coaching staff with our players you know we just talked about you know just learning how to win you know that was one of the first things um you know we mentioned because you know that first year that i was here it was a COVID year so we got five games in and you know, we were very disappointed with that just because we had so many seniors my first year that were kind of bought in right away and they were great leaders. And so I was really excited just to watch them create that culture. And then with that shutdown, it hurt because, you know, then obviously they had to move on. You know, they're graduating, they had jobs lined up. And so our younger guys, you know, didn't get that year to watch those seniors kind of lead in transition. And so, um, you know, the following year, obviously recruiting and, and things like that, you're not able to have on-campus visits. So you're looking for just kind of the right people. And um, so, you know, we took our lumps that first year. I think we won seven games. We were 7-23. And, and 
you know, all the things that you're trying to do in terms of like camaraderie, you know, you're doing the opposite because you're saying stay away from each other, you know. Um, and so it was challenging. Um, so we wanted to make sure like that 20, you know, two year, we were really stressing just like being together, enjoying each other, working hard. And um, we had that special class come in and we had a really good group of seniors and juniors returning. Um, and so they were, they were very committed. And, uh, you know, we said, hey, we want to learn to win. And, th- you know, we were very fortunate early to start off with a good Florida trip. We played six games at U.S. Bank then. And it was kind of a weird weather year, if you remember last year, too. So we got lucky that we were able to play a lot of games right away. So we won a little bit and our guys were confident. Um, but then, uh, you know, to finish the year playing, you know, 10 games in six days was, was something you don't really, you know, uh, expect. But um, to our guys' credit, I remember telling them, like, hey, take this as an opportunity where if you get hot right now, this could be a really big thing. And so, you know, I think we won 11 of our last 12 games. Um, and just the one game that we, we didn't, you know, win was that last game that would have got us in the conference mm-hmm. tournament. But, um, you know, when you talk about defining success, like, yes, we set a school record for wins, which was – you know, extremely important in terms of like the memories that our guys are going to remember. You know, I remember sitting with a 22, you know, like that 21 class and talking to them and just being like, you know, we have a vision of you being like the, the team, the best team that's ever played here. And the seniors that were on the team, that was what they wanted. And so to get that school record for wins was, was really important. Um, but I also look at, you know, when you're like, you know, what's important? How do you define success? It's the other things that go with it. And so, you know, we had a you know, like basically like a 3.46 team GPA, which was the highest baseball GPA in the conference. We, um, we got the team sportsmanship award, which, you know, sometimes you get that award and you're like, well, did we have a successful season or, (laughs) you know, are they feeling really bad for us right now? And so, um, why I love that was to me, that meant that, you know, within the conference that, you know, there was a lot of respect for our program in terms of we did things the right way. Yes. Um, you know, like I said, the team GPA. So we were, we were great at the things that we set out for. And so that was extremely successful here because I, I looked at it like, yes, was it disappointing to not get into a tournament for those kids because I felt they deserved it? Absolutely. But in terms of looking back on that as a, spe- like, uh, you know, very special year, um, it was it was very big. And then this year, I think, you know, our schedule uh, we set up is, is a lot more challenging right away, you know. And so uh, I think we're looking at it as now um, we kind of know what we have in terms of pieces of returners. We've got a lot of young guys coming in that are going to be very impactful as well. But, you know, they have their, you know, our, our team has their heights set on, you know, postseason play um, and, and doing a lot of the same things that we had done this past year and just kind of building off of that. But I think of success more as, you know, um, it's the relationships that you have with those guys when the season's over. You know it was a good year when, um, you know, you're hugging those guys on those last days and you're getting a little teary-eyed and things like that, and you know just how special each one of them was and watching your team come together and, and those memories. But um, it's more about that environment and, and what you accomplished than, than just the results of your wins and losses. Absolutely love that. And that's, that is very Morris. And I think as we've talked to um, different coaches throughout, you know, these weeks, that's a very common theme. And yes, there's there's not a coach on staff that doesn't want to win um, and doesn't put everything into trying to win, but it's not what we do or why we do it. You mentioned the relationships there, 1,000%. That is what it's all about and providing that positive student-athlete experience that we all want our, our student-athletes to have. And so that's just great to hear uh, from that standpoint. And the fact that you guys had the best team GPA in the conference – 
at a school of Minnesota Morris, that is incredibly impressive. Um, not knocking any other schools, but other schools don't have the, the, the academic rigor that uh, we do here at Minnesota Morris. So that is a, uh, a great feather in your guys' cap um, to have that. It just shows that uh, guys are here serious about their education, and that obviously starts at the top. So congratulations to you and what you guys are doing uh, with your program. Just absolutely outstanding. So talking about your, and you said, you know, hugging guys after the season or, or guys buying into each other, um, what's your, your hash? And obviously I know what it is. I mean, many within athletics, if they follow you on any social media, we know what it is. But play for the pile. Um, talk to me about where that originated and, and kind of what that means to you and to the program. You know, I, I remember, you know, first getting this job and, uh, you know, Timmy, actually, I'll never forget uh, during the interview process, Tim, you know, asked me, you know, let's say you have your first team meeting, you know, what do you, you know, want them like, give me one word that would describe how you want them to feel when they leave that meeting. And I remember just being like, excited. I want them to be excited about what we're doing, you know, and uh, so going into that first meeting, I remember thinking like, geez, what am I going to say to these guys? You know, like, how am I going to get their attention? You know, how do, the, how do I show what I want to represent? And, you know, I just thought about just how special it is when you watch teams dogpile, you know, so you play in a, you know, you win a conference championship or you're in postseason play and, you know, you win, you know, that, that, that you get that last out and you watch those kids jump over, you know, the, you know, coming out of the dugout, they're jumping over the fence, they're running out there and, the thing I think that's so special is like you watch when the cameras zoom in on those kids, it's like their facial expressions. It's like a shock. It's like they can't believe that what they accomplished and they're all looking at each other and gloves are flying, hats are coming off and you're watching them tackle guys on the ground and they're jumping on each other. But everybody knows just how hard it was to get to that point, the sacrifices you had to make. And every one of those guys knows that they did it together. And so it's just this in awe accomplishment and, as a coach, you're just watching that happen. You know, you're able to just look out at your team, just so happy and excited. And so in my, my team meeting, I remember just playing like highlights of the of, of teams dogpiling. And I remember just being like, man, I wonder what they're thinking right now. Are they like, this guy's crazy. What do we hire here? You know, <laughs> or, and I'll never forget though, I finished playing the last video. And like I mentioned, we had a lot of seniors that year. And so, you know, first year coach, a lot of seniors. Um, was that like the? I'm, uh, sorry, yeah, go for it. Was that like the Michael Head? Was that? Is that? Yeah, or was that yeah like Brady Jurgensen, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so that Michael, was the crew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Michael Head and Nick Peterson. Yes. And a lot of yes. those guys. Brady Jurgensen. Yep. yep. And uh, I remember just looking out at him. I'm like, okay. Um, so you saw kind of this is the, the you know what I want for you. You know to have this experience. I'm like, um, but you tell me like where do you want to go with this and. You know, I'm just waiting and I never forget, you know, Joe Weir um, kind of raised his hand and Joe Weir, if you don't know him, is he's six foot five. He's a right handed pitcher, six foot five. He was a dude. Yeah, he mm -hmm. was extremely good. And um, he's not a man of a lot of words, too. So when he speaks, everybody listens. And I'll never forget him. He didn't just raise his hand. He stood up and um, I'm like, OK. And he just goes, you know. He points at the screen and he goes, Coach, we want that right there. We want to play for the pile. And so, like, I mean, to this day, every time I bring that up, I get goosebumps because I'm just like, you know, that could have gone so many different ways. And that's where I mean, like, that senior class is so special to me because, yeah, they only had five games and then their, their careers were over. But, like, the legacy that they left and the imprint they left on our program is so huge. I mean, Joe Weir, 
I'll never forget that first collegiate game. You know, we're playing in Houston. All these teams had played like 15, 20 games that we're going into. And he goes out and almost goes CG uh, first game against one of those teams. And uh, we win in dramatic fashion. And it was like that was the win number one, one there. And um, But that play for the pile right there, that's where that kind of all originated. And and my, my thing with that is I know you have like the roll of the boat, you know, and a lot of teams have like, you know, their so-called slogan of what they stand for. Um, but for me, it's like when we talk about what we're trying to accomplish, yes, there's that stuff on the field. We're trying to win a conference championship, go to a regional, be in an NCAA tournament. Um, but like that can carry over in everything in life. So like when we're playing for the pile, to me, that's also what we're doing in the classroom, right? It's, it's the relationships that they're making with each other. You know, it just goes back to you're hoping that your teammates are going to be in your wedding someday, right? So that's that's more along the line of what play for the pile means is when we have that on, on our shirts we put it on social media but it's just that constant reminder of what we're trying to do i did get chills by the way well, you when you should, mentioned that man. story that was i got them head to toe that was just uh that was great and i had forgotten that joe weir exists joe no discredit to you but that's five years ago you know what i mean like it's well whatever it's four seasons ago but as you say that and i can envision i mm-hmm. i picture joe standing up and saying that and, and all that that senior class coming through that's Again, it's what this is all about and why, and I've said now multiple times in a row, Tim, why I think what we do here is so important. Mm-hmm. Yes, we just get to blabber on air for an hour, right? And by the way, we started off thinking, oh, this will be 15, 20 minutes. Right. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> and now it's expanded. But, but why? Because we've got stories like that to share yes. and share widely within the baseball community. But now everyone else listening gets to put a handle on that, that when they see a tweet or when they see a shirt or when they see us celebrating a victory next Tuesday, right, that you can kind of piece those stories together. And it comes from from being able to do what we do, right? here i love it i love it um one other thing that you have and matt mentioned this i think on the pod last week as he had just was just at it but um one thing you had you've brought to the morris community is the first pitch dinner if you could talk to us a little bit about that um what's behind it what do you uh, want to accomplish through that um how it sets up your season if you could talk to us about the first pitch dinner i'd be it would be, it'd be appreciative yeah, so a first pitch dinner was something uh, I experienced at a couple of places that you know I was at, especially University of Arizona Eastern Shore. They did it, and it was it was basically just kind of kick off the season, right? It was to get everybody excited about you know that we're going to play in a couple of weeks, and you know where I wanted to go with it was you know mainly to celebrate the guys, the team, you know, and so um, what that event basically is is. You know, I have our guys all dress up, you know, so they're in shirts and ties. Um, and so they understand just like kind of the importance of it. Um, but, you know, it's to draw attention to them and our program. And, you know, I, we've had, you know, this is, I think, year three of us doing this. And my first year was really trying to find a connection between the Morris community and the university and our program. So I had Lyle Rambo speak yep. and he did a terrific job and he was the very first one. But that it's, it's a dinner and it's an event where all of our players come together. Um, we, we kind of will introduce all of them. We'll have our parents come. We really like that to be a parents thing too, so that they get to meet each other mm-hmm. as, as a family and then our community members. And then lastly, our alumni. And um, again, it's, it's a way to kind of talk about the season before it starts. Usually we're playing in a week or two after that. Um, but the first year we had Lyle Rambo. The second year we had uh, legendary Cougar uh, Mark Full, athletic director, and he did a great job as well. And then this this last year, what I really wanted to do is, as you can tell, I can talk, you know, so I can be up there as long for a long time <laughs> if I had to be. But I wanted to um, put an emphasis on, you know, giving uh, our players a chance to talk. And so 
we had Alex Bauman, fifth-year senior talk. We had Brian Banyo talk as a fifth-year senior. And then we also had um, our feature speakers was were uh, Kyle Hastings, who was a, a former pitcher. He was also a student assistant coach for me. Mm-hmm. And then Mitch Bauman, who was a former career player and he also was a student assistant coach for me in his, his last year here. So um, it was, it's just a great way for, for our guys to have a voice um, to get excited about this season. I look at the players talking. Not only do our families get to listen to them, but our own team gets to hear them talk. So I think that's really good to kind of get excited about you know the first couple of weeks. Well, and Kyle Hastings, famous in Cougarland, of course, for his four years of baseball eligibility, and then he used another four years of golf too. Um, but hey, that seven-year degree, that pays off. Dr. Hastings. It, it was good, though. And I give Jess because hey, Kyle knows he's one of my favorite people in the world. But to hear both he and Mitch talk about their experience. And obviously, they had played here in, in years before. You know, you were the head coach, and then they were a part of your program in the transition. And to, to hear them kind of talk about that transitional period. But then one other thing that resonated with me, and it was specific to what Kyle said, and, and to me is the I don't know, team guy that I am, if you want to look at it like that. Um, You know, Hastings was going back through his playing career, which wasn't illustrious by any stretch of imagination, right? But Kyle freely shared. He's like, you know what I found out I was really good at my freshman year? I was good at doing book. And he's like, but guess what? I was involved. I had a role. It was my thing. And I stepped back from it, whether as a dad or as an AD or a former coach, whatever. And I said, that's embracing your role, right? You know, and that, that would even predated you, but those type of people to sit there and say, you know what, I might not go out and start. What he said, he was the seventh string pinch runner, right? That's where, but, but he had, he wasn't just somebody along for the ride. Like he had a part of being a part of a team, you know, and, and to hear a cougar, you know, share that type of a memory. I don't care who you are, that, that goosebumpy for me, because I'm going, that's, that's buying into what it means to be a cougar. So to have those guys come back, and I did share last week, I, I think that event is special. It's the midnight march, you know, it's midnight madness or whatever they call it to start off kick, you know, basketball season. Only we do our own version of it here. Um, and to see all those parents and administration from campus, and I, I mean, you can talk about it too. I mean, it's not like it was just mom and dad and, and a couple of baseball players. I mean, there, it's, a, it's a really wide net of baseball community in Morris. Yeah, definitely. And I know... Uh, we had, uh, you know, like uh, Amelia Meyer, we had there too, um, who's our athletic trainer. Um, we had Tracy Anderson, who's our faculty student rep. And I, I look at that as an opportunity for, you know, those types of people to understand how important they are to our program too. So we're celebrating them as well. I know we had uh, Rob Nig was there as well, who's a 1990 alum, Cougar alum. So it's just kind of that special time where you're bringing, you know, Cougars from the past, the community, our, our university. Um, where they can meet families and our players and just show everyone how important, you know, like our players are to our program. So that's, a, again, it's a 30,000-foot view of Cougar baseball, right? But it's one of those ones, and we've talked a lot about, sometimes in jest, sometimes not, but the impact of what your student-athletes are right now in our culture and the fabric of what Cougar athletics is. Um, whether they're involved with work study, whether they're doing their work in the classroom, whether we see them around the weight room and in the RFC and in the C. I I mean, you just baseball has a presence and now you're backing it up hopefully with that on-field performance and yes we're going to judge things on wins and losses and I I do want you before you go to just give a quick rundown of what your next week is going to look like but the reality is there's so much more going into what a successful program looks like and and Matt I just think you guys are on you're, you're way along the path of of what that can potentially get to. So before you get out of here though I do want you to say give me and I know you start playing next Monday and then you're taking off for Florida. Not a whole season recap, but give me your next 10 days. What does that look like in Cougar baseball? 
Yeah. Um, so we go Monday. We're playing a doubleheader, and I came at U.S. Bank to open the season against McAllister. So those are two seven-inning games. Um, we'll come back, go to school. Um, Tuesday we're playing a night game, real night, real late at night. So uh, we'll play Augsburg at 9.30 at night. Uh, we'll stay overnight at a hotel up there, and we're flying out that next day, and then we're in Florida. So, I mean, they're getting a, a lot of baseball in a short amount of time, and we'll end up playing 11 games in Florida uh, varsity games and two JV games. So when that second uh, game, you know, first pitch for Augie is at what midnight? Correct. Yeah, we're we're basically nine thirty to two thirty time on in there. <laughs> so, so you call it a night game. I don't know yeah, what you call it yeah. really, but uh. yeah, those are US Bank times. It can be a little challenging, uh, but you know, I still would prefer that over the five thirty a.m. game. Those mm -hmm. ones are a little rougher too. And then how many are you getting down in Florida? Did you say? Yeah, eleven varsity, uh, two JV. Um, and we're down there from March 8th, which is our travel day, and, and we're there till March 16th. And then obviously you're going to return to 70 and sunshine here, so we'll be on the diamond right away. And oh, yeah, Cougar baseball sure. two weeks from now will just be beautiful. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We'll have, uh, we're supposed to play then Hamlin uh, when we come back the following Wednesday at St. John's. Well, my big question is, since we have that midnight game, have you been doing internal body clocks of having guys go take hitting at midnight or anything like that? Uh, any any plans for that? Or are you just going to let them uh, fly by the seat of their pants there? No, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, facilities in general is always challenging just from a time <laughs> yeah, standpoint. We don't know anything so, about that. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, we're kind of used to practicing a little later at night, so I think that actually probably benefits us that we've been practicing a little late. What are the odds of somebody falling asleep in the bullpen? Oof. I mean, I hope with those U.S. Bank lights just, you know, beaming down that that's pretty hard to do. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would imagine it would probably be the Florida games the next day from the travel that our guys might be a little bit more. There we go. Well, once again, uh, ladies and gents, this is uh, an opportunity that, that we relish. There are going to be more of these coming up um, to it with different coaches too. But, it, but again, just to pull the shades back and see a little bit more about what Cougar baseball is, what Coach O'Brien is, or who he is, respectively. Um, it, is, it continues to be my favorite part of it, and, and we're going to keep doing this as long as we can. Um, but I took a bunch of things out of today's talk. Once again, Matt, that I thanks for sharing. Um, because Cougar baseball is on the up and up, and I'm excited to be a part of it. I will, we will be a part of it with home games uh, on the Cougar Sports Network and, and whatever we can do to continue to support the program. Thanks for coming in and, and doing this with us. Absolutely. Like I said, this setup is electric, and uh, make sure that you tune into more podcasts in the future. Did you hear that? Look at that. See, now that you watch directed it. Bauman. Oh, so, totally. So, so, what you need to do, though, one last thing is you got Alex Bauman, who is a, I think it's. Uh, the, the hydration company liquid iv yep, that he's correct. represented so now you got to throw that into the podcast and maybe you got a little sponsorship coming to this i program. was in one of his posts the other day though to something man at work or some ridiculous thing but yeah whatever we can do, if corporate sponsorships that will really take us next level here. that's right we are open to all kinds of things as it comes to sponsorships and all that and Absolutely. i'm not above being i will i am able to be bought there's no question about sure. that so um for the right price let me know that's that's a good throw out there matt so Great stuff, OB. Once best. again, Love Coach O'Brien here in studio with us. Uh, before we get into basketball and and track and field and, and other items we want to talk on, I've got to have Jack Gala come back over to the mic too. Uh, this is probably the most important thing that anyone is going to hear today. So uh, let's give Jack just a second um, to to talk here and 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 I don't know, speak his piece. All right. So as Jack is getting up to the mic here on. Coach Grove, I'm sure you have never been guilty of anything. I certainly haven't ever made a mistake in my life. But, you know, Jack came on last week and gave a, an eloquent talk about the, the golf simulator area. Did and, a great job. And, you know, how important it was that his dad heard all about that, mm -hmm. uh, which it was. And I'm, 
I mean, there's no denying no, no denying that. But uh, what else? You got anything to add to that story there, Jack? Well, gentlemen, I had a serious uh, oversight. Um, oh, I forgot. I'm a, intrigued. Yeah, I forgot a very, very important person in my life. Uh, my mother. Um, I love you so much. <laughs> Uh, and I should have mentioned you the first time. I did not, but here we are. And I don't know. I think she's arguably more important in my life than Absolutely. my dad. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. Most moms are. Well, she birthed uh, you and everything, yeah. yes. Right. Yeah. She did most of the work. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, and my dad was there. Um, so sure. good for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Jack, kudos to you because there is, as I have said, there is never a wrong time to do the right thing. So a shout out to mom. Absolutely crucial. And, uh, can we really say it's even a week late? No, this is great. Yeah, she gets her own. She gets her own uh, shine on, right? Absolutely. Now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm already thinking of how I'm going to title this thing to uh, bring further light <laughs> to her. And um, the reality is, what you should have done, which I know is deceitful, but you just would have said, "I did mention you," but then in editing, Matt cut that part out, and I would have taken the bullet for it, and not even thought about it. Right. But and you know, if I was a smarter man, I would have done that. But being the honest Abe that I am, I I had to. I Mom had to raised a good son. Yeah. Correct. So See? proud of you. There you go, Mama yeah. Gala. So. Well, again, wanted to make sure you had that opportunity to right a wrong, and and you're back in my good graces, not that you were ever out of it, and and I would advocate strongly uh, for that to happen back at home. Sound good? Yeah, well, I hope that is the case, but we will see. All right, sounds good. That was Jack coming back on one more time. Uh, I'd like to personally apologize to to Mom Gala as well, too. I should have mentioned something last week, but I didn't. now it's on your kid. Okay, here we go. That's right. uh, let's get into last week. Uh, T, want to talk, obviously, men's and women's hoops yep. first, and then we'll get into track, and then also had tennis um, doing some things as well, too. So want to start me off with women's basketball and the uh, end of your season? Yeah, so <clears throat> when we were here last time, we were just about to jump on the bus and head down to the cities and, and play number one seed Northwestern, and uh, they looked every bit of the part Friday yep. night when we were there. Um, and in looking at things, you know, the, the difference to me was, was the second quarter. They uh, outscored us 24 to 10 that second quarter. And um, that to me was the difference in the game. Um, rebounding was also one of the things that uh, Cooper so very well uh, uh, projected that we would need to do well. We didn't do that well. And that was certainly one of the things in the game that uh, was, a, was a difference. But you know, in terms of some good things, uh, we really did value the ball. You know, the last time we were down there, it was a, it was a, a turnover problem for us. Um, yeah, like times twenty eight. It was crazy. It? Yeah, it was it was crazy uh, for both teams actually, and we won the turnover battle. You know, at 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 eleven to ten, which was great for us. Um, but they did a better job of turning those into points, which we did not do. And uh, you know, we we did come out with some fight in the second half. We went on a seven zero run to start the third quarter, which was great. Um, had we been down seven instead of seventeen, I think that could have really changed the the outlook of things and really made things uh, interesting in the second half. Uh, but we never really beyond that made a real push to, um, I don't think, scare them at that point. And and they they proved to be every bit as good as as uh, they had been all season. Um, they went on to win the uh, championship Sunday afternoon, uh, beating North Central University, I think even by 17 or something like that, 15, 17-point game. Um, and that one was really never close either. So um, congratulations to Northwestern, um, and best of luck to them as they head to Chicago uh, mm. this weekend. But in terms of of some individual things for us, uh, Jay Quate led us with 13 points. She was the only player uh, for us in double figures. Um, 
but again, as I mentioned, the, the rebounds was a difference, but the turnovers was something that was a positive. Uh, one other positive that came out of that game, Tariq Brown-Otter, uh, who we have mentioned numerous times here on the podcast, um, ended up with exactly 1,000 career points. Oh, wow. Uh, she needed eight points coming into the game, and, and she got exactly eight, which was uh, a lot of fun to be a part of. Uh, she scored a ton of points at uh, United Tribes Community College when she was there for two years. Um, she came in with, I don't know, over 700 points and uh, was able to get her 1,000th career point with, I don't know, about two and a half minutes to go in the game uh, or so. Um, Friday night, which was a lot, of, a lot of fun for her. She is so incredibly well-liked by her, her teammates and the amount of time that she puts in. I'm sure you have seen mm-hmm. her over the last few years, uh, really taking advantage of the shooting gun that we have in the gym and and just such a, a great, great kid. So that was really fun to be a part of, uh, to see her 1,000th career point. Well, and what an accomplishment. I guess I honestly had no idea um, that that happened, but but congrats to Tariq and, and to anyone who's, I mean, played basketball at all. It, it's, it's a hard mountain to climb to get to yeah. 1,000 points. And I know different institutions, different systems of play, all of that comes into play. Um but amazing, I mean, for T and, yep. and what that was. Yep, it was I, great. I will say this about your contest, and again, this is the me just sitting back watching it on my 12-inch laptop at home, right? It looked like we had, especially in that first quarter, which was nip and tuck, you know, we had good looks, you know, a couple bunnies that didn't go, you know, and then all of a sudden the second quarter started, and as you referenced, just once it, the, there was a crack in the foundation, it was really a challenge thereafter to get back into it. Yeah, really, I, I think... I think two things. You look at three-point shooting, and you look at free throws, and disparities there. You yeah. know, we were we were two for twelve compared to their eight makes, and then they were twelve for fourteen from the line, and we only had five opportunities there. We were three yeah. for five. So to me, it was a it was a, a three-point line and free throw line that really um, was a, a major difference in that game. I guess along with the other couple things that we mentioned. Uh, but you know, but you know, the the end of the season is always disappointing. Um, I think if I were to to go back to the previous weekend, which I know we talked about the loss at, at the close loss at Superior and the close loss at Northland, to me that um, looking at at now from from the the sky view is that's really where the disappointment is. If we could have gotten hopefully both of those games, but one of the two, we would have been in a different position and not had to play Northwestern in the right. semifinal. Anything can happen in the final game. Correct, and that's just where it's, again easy for me to say, but. I, and not discrediting anybody else, you were going to play Northwestern at some point in time. Yeah. You would have just preferred to have seen it on Sunday yep. rather than on Friday night. Absolutely. I mean, that's the reality. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but, of course, all conference awards came out um, yesterday as well, and, and we have uh, some very deserving people on the all-conference list. Um, congratulations to Jay Quate, who was uh, second team all-conference, um, also on the all-defensive team. But uh, even more importantly, for the second year in a row, yeah. the, both seasons that this this award has been in existence, uh, as we've mentioned on the pod before, Jay, Defensive Player of the Year in the conference, and she just continues to do a, a phenomenal job. Yep, um, and deserves every recognition she gets, specifically defensively, but her offensive game continues to develop as well. Right. But she's it's a terror on defense, even in that Northwestern game, yeah. at the point of your your defensive attack, I mean, tipped balls, disrupting passing lanes, et cetera. Yeah, she does such a great job from from that standpoint. And and uh, another one, Mallory Anderson, who had a, a really, really uh, good year, came a long way from 
from sophomore year to junior year, another second team all conference mm-hmm. kid, and another kid on the all defensive team. So um, there's only five of those spots. The defensive team only gets five spots, and for us to have two of them is really impressive. Right. Um, and it, it just goes to show how hard those uh, players work on that end of it. And they would be the first to tell you it's not just those two. It's other people doing their job, which allows these two to shine how they do. Um, they'd, they'd be the first to say that. But um, So all these awards certainly are a reflection of the team. Um, but again, those those individual awards there. And then uh, Ole, Grace Olson, um, our representative for the Sportsmanship Award, which was obviously very, very well-deserving there. Um, and that kind of puts a, a bow on the women's basketball season. We do have our uh, wrap-up team banquet this Sunday, which we're looking forward to. Um, all those things, as, as Coach O'Brien and all the other uh, coaches have made reference to, it's that kind of thing that really... Um, has the, the the meaningful parts behind what we do. It's it's the times you're together with players and families. Yep, the wins are great and the losses are, are crushing, um, but that's not the reason why we do this. We do these, uh, we do what we do because of, of the experience we'll have on Sunday with our teams and our families coming together uh, one last time to, to celebrate the season and, and, and talk about um, you know, kind of the, the season that we had. So we're looking forward to that. Well, in another season that doesn't end the way that you want it to, but the reality right. is it only ends that way for one team in the country. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the, the fact that's of true. it. But for the mteenth time, 18th time in a row, whatever it is, your women's basketball program, the women's basketball program, had an opportunity to compete for a conference championship. And honestly, there's not a lot more you can ask for out of out of it. Playing the game the right way, having a chance to to celebrate at the end. Yes, and that's not something we take for granted. That is something that we have to go out and earn every single year. And uh, to our players' credit, they continue to do it every single year. So very proud of them for that. And and it's a it's a streak that'll end one day. I just hope it's. Um, a day that's way, way, way in the future because we certainly enjoy being in postseason play. Well, yeah, and I don't want to be a part of it, and I know you don't either. So just uh, keep it for the next, I don't know, what's the requirement check for uh, the next 47 (laughs) years. If it could not happen (laughs) at that time, it would be great. There you go. Um, Let's talk men's hoops, too. Uh, Had a similar finish to yours in terms of where the four seed ended up going and playing the number one on the road, obviously. Um, An outstanding Bethany Lutheran team. Yes. That we did both times we played them this year, one time losing by two points at home and one time losing, I believe, by six in OT. So had played them competitively, and that game specifically for the first half mirrored the other contest very much so. I mean, we went in down at halftime, but it was a really good ball game. It was a great ball game. You know, it's a four-point game at half, and and the way the games were staggered, I think I mentioned this last week, but the way the games were staggered, we had our, our game at 5 o'clock, and the men's game start, tipped off at 7. So we were able to... to Get cleaned up, get on the bus, and yeah. watch the men's game, which was uh, which was great. And yeah, the first half was was great, uh, very very competitive. We led for uh, close, a, quite yes, a bit of it. Yes, yes. it was it was great. Uh, Kenny doing his thing, and and he had a, a monster dunk, and and so those things we were able to see. You talk about on your twelve inch screen, or we're watching it on on laptops and and smartphones and and different things. So um, kind of living each possession with with the guys. Um, but yeah, I think the the difference in that game, and I'm just I didn't go back and look at this on the uh, the the play by play stats, but I believe it was a 14-0 run um, that that was the the kind of the span there that was obviously the difference in the game, right? I mean, you go from a very very tight game to a situation where Bethany goes on a 14-0, I think it was 14-0 um, at the time, and and just created that distance. 
to where, okay, now we need to come back and make another round, which we never really did. Um, and to me, that was the, the difference in the game. Yeah, I know there was right out of half, and I, I could be wrong here, but I don't believe so. I think we scored like the first five or six out of the half and actually took the lead. Or with, we had the lead early in the second half there. And I thought, okay, here we go. This is going to right to the yeah. end. This is going to dogfight, you know. And then whatever it was, whether it was 14 or, or more, it seemed like, um, it was just almost insurmountable then to come back from it. And part of the reason for that, and it, I, it's been staggering to me, I look at it every time we look at these box scores, the shooting percentages on the guy's side are crazy. We shot, once again, 45% from the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, Now, they happen to shoot almost 51%, but it's game in and game out, which is why you're seeing these scores like this one ended up 87-74. There have been many a year where 75 points is going to win you a heck of a lot of contests, sure. right? Just, sure. just just happens. And not just exclusive to us or BLC, but the ball is just going in the bucket on the guy's side, at least, at an unbelievable clip. Yeah, and, and again, going to the stats, we made the same number of field goals. 32 field goals made each. The difference in the ball game was we were two for four from the free throw line. Oh. Well, they made 17. They were 17 for 21. So if you look at the difference, it's going to be free throw line. Um, and, and so whether that's style of play, things that were done defensively or not done defensively, uh, don't need to get into that. But, yeah, there is a from one team going two for four and the other team going 17 for 21, um, you know, that's a 15-point difference there. And, the, and a 13-point uh, loss. 13-point final, final yeah. score. So um, just some things to look at there. But Bethany, the real deal. Yeah. I mean, um, they were undefeated at home this season, uh, went on to, to – um, in the end, handily beat number two seed Superior on their home floor for the championship, and they're on their way uh, um, as the three seed, which is which is great now for for Bethany going into their pod this weekend. They do not have to play the whole school, which yep. is 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 big for our conference because um, they're on the men's side at least they're they're gaining um, more of a, a positive reputation nationally, and because typically we'd come out and, and be a four seed in the four team pod and have to play the whole school. Well, Bethany uh, with with Northwestern success that they've had and just the great year that Bethany has had in general um, got them up to the, a, a three seed in that four team pod so um, they do not have to go and play the host number one seed which is which is big it's That's big huge. for the UMAC it's huge for the UMAC it's huge for for Bethany and you know it's one of those things where there's still the competitive fire in me right that I sit there and say gosh I wish we would have won mm-hmm. fine but once that once we pass that point, I hope BLC makes a run just like right. Northwestern did what they made the sweet 16 a couple of years yep. ago if I'm not mistaken um because again, it, it I think brings a positive light on on the uptick of competitiveness in Cougar, well, excuse me, in, in UMAC basketball, and that includes the Cougars on both the men's and the women's side. Um, not every sport in the UMAC can say that, but there are some now that have really reached that point of we are truly regionally competitive as a conference. Yes, and that's only going to drive our all of our competitiveness. I think just continually go and go and go um, as that keeps growing with with all of our institutions. Yep, absolutely. And looking at uh, stat leaders from Friday night, we did have three guys in double figures uh, offensively. Paul Dak led with 19 points, Jarrett Johnson with 17, and Ian Carlin 
with 16. Um, and Connie Geezer had, a, a, I guess, what would be considered for him an off night, yeah. right? Nine points offensively, um, again, doing a great job. And every team knows they're going to come in and try to try to contain Connie Geezer. And, and so Bethany was able to make life uh, pretty difficult. He was still able to go three for six from the three-point line. Yeah, which all is, three of his fantastic. mates from deep. There you go. You know, it was yeah. inside the arc. Right. trouble. Yeah. Uh, one thing, well, two, actually. I'll, I mean, we've talked a ton about Jared, and, and for good reason, right? I mean, just an impactful career here with us. And we can say the old man game, fine. Yeah. That, that's Lovingly, all, by yes, the way. Yes, because it, it, he, he made plays throughout the course of his career here. Um, that just continue to, to I look back on it and say that's he's a phenomenal basketball player. It's yes. great to see. Um, I would say the same thing about Ian Carlin, he who didn't get much of the same love as as now a senior, right? Because Ian kind of flies, he's very quiet, as mm-hmm. Paul referenced, under the radar. Uh, eight of nine in this deciding game. And then if I'm not mistaken, last weekend, same thing too. He was like seven of eight in a game. I mean, high efficient. I bet he must have shot 65% from the floor. The kid just goes to work. Yep. He The kid just goes to work and, and he produces. Um, and as an undersized post, he had a tremendous career here as a Cougar. And uh, uh, yeah, he's just been so much fun to watch. And and as we kind of look, I mentioned the, the all-conference nomination on the women's side. Uh, on the men's side as well, came out Noah Conagieser. We have a second team all conference performer in Noah. Uh, Paul Dack made the honorable mention team, and he was one that was part of the defensive team as well. So big shout out to him. Um, kind of the, the big award on the men's side, Blake Munson was named Rookie of the Year, um, which is a, a great honor for him. And then Ian Carlin was our Sportsmanship Award uh, recipient for that. So just a, a I look back and kind of say, hey, these guys are very, very worthy of, of these awards, and it's tough to get on. So for people that don't know, there's there's five first-team all-conference, five second-team all-conference, and then seven honorable mention. Mm-hmm. So you're only talking about 17 athletes uh, that get these. And then the defensive team is separate. There's five on there. So, again, Paul Dack, one of five individuals on the all-defensive team, which is uh, absolutely phenomenal recognition. Yep, can't wait to see. And I know I said this last year, and I already saw the improvement too. I can't wait to watch Paul next year. I, I just he the way he carries himself, his ability to impact the game on both the offensive and the defensive side. I know he had 19 points here in this deciding game. Um, I, I just think there's so much more to come from him, especially entering into what will be his senior year. Yeah. Um, to continue to that defensive prowess, and then also to 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 show how explosive he is offensively. Um, I've got j- just high hopes. Uh, I had forgot to mention it back when we were just talking about Jared a second ago. Um, Taylor Holloman, Coach Holloman was with us the other day, and he said, I think Jared was one of only a handful of players in the conference to be top 15 in scoring, top 15 in rebounds, and top whatever in some other category. And while he wasn't recognized here, that's where we can still internally look at that and say how impactful that was. Same thing with, with Ian. He got the Sportsmanship Award. He is an all-conference-esque player performer. Yes. Stats don't show up, but there's so other way, many ways to impact it too. A Corbin Alexander, same thing as a senior, right? will never be an all-conference kid for us because statistically it doesn't add up. Right. The things that he did for us on the court, that screams uh, you know, an impactful all-conference quote-unquote player. Very, very well said. And I I would, I could go back and say the same about an Ella Van Kempen for 100%, us, yes. about a Haley Walschlager for us. I think those are impactful players that, yes, may not get the conference recognition because their stats don't align with that. Uh, but you take them off the floor for us, and we are not the same team. Yeah. So, yeah, certainly shout out to Ella them when in, she came back from regard. from her injury. Yes, completely changed the team. Completely changed the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 
ironically, you know, that's uh, kind of when we started ascending. So, right. um, yeah, just uh, great stuff. So that, um, I mean, ties a proverbial bow on basketball. Obviously, there are pieces, and we'll want to talk as we go through here because, I mean, eventually as we get into what does the recruiting outlook look like, you know, things of that nature that, I mean, I think we'll keep touching on basketball. um, But for the time being, at least, we're going to transition into what we did today, talking baseball. I know Coach Penny Roy is going to join us Mm -hmm. with softball next week, et cetera. Um, A sport that never seems to stop, and that's because it doesn't, (laughs) um, is track and field. They, this past weekend, had their conference championships in Superior like they always do. The men and the women team went up there. Um, Coach Cazisto shared with us kind of the the outlook of we expected the men to be improved, which, I mean, we can talk here in a second. They were. And then also on the women's team, we're coming off of several championships in a row. Josh even said it's a different team. Mm -hmm. They're a young team. And, again, that was kind of laid out in terms of what the finals look like for them. Yeah, that was very very much reflected in in the results. You know, you mentioned the guys um, with a second-place finish in uh, in the indoor championships and behind powerhouse that is University of Wisconsin Superior. I think they've got. I mean, honestly, a, a kudos to that. The ten in a row, twelve. I mean, they've it's incredible. Yeah, they've got a, a system it, for sure. It, it is incredible. And as those those initial results were coming through that I would would see on Twitter, I think I even reached out to you. It's like, boy, here kind of here it starts, right? I mean, they're they're kind of dominance on that. But um, as, as far as the Cougs go. Again, second place finish, best finish since they were second place in 2017. So again, a, a program that is rising, yep. uh, and it's just fun to see. Um, and of course, the Cougs went one, two, three finish in the shot put, which was uh, again, if we're going to be real strong in one area, surprise, surprise in the throws. Right? Uh, correct on both the men's and the women's side. It's it's coach's thing and it will continue forever but Cody Nye wins the event with an incredible toss and he's actually a one of two Cougars that this weekend are going to go and and go to another qualifier meet trying to get to nationals and, and Cody's got a great chance at it um, but he's conference championship in shot Anthony Starzizic comes in second first year kid for us he also this weekend going to a qualifier rookie of the year in the UMAC I believe in the throws uh, correct indeed and should be um and just another in a long line of throwers here. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Cepeda ended up going third, and then not, I mean, it's a huge accomplishment too. Ben Paulson actually finished seventh. So we went one, two, three, seven in the shot put um, and had some other good finishes in the weight and, and other things too. But the shot was, I mean, it's just, it's well, it's unbelievable is what it is. And further a testament to, although Cody is a senior for us, um, but the development of the men's side specifically that we're seeing, that are we ready to rival Superior yet? No, we're not. But as our numbers increase, as some of our sprints and jumps, you know, we've got this crew of returners. I'm excited about what outdoor can bring for us. And also in terms of as we can look next year at indoor and saying, hey, now we are we are competitive every single meet inside and out. Um, as we look over on the women's side, and as I referenced, they've it's just it's continued to be a team um, that we're so proud of around here because of, of their ability to have conference championships. Um, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't also reference track and field completely emulates student athlete too. Their their GPAs and things like that, while doing as well as they have done competitively, continue to be unreal. Um, specifically on the women's side here, where um, we went into this championship and ended up finishing third. There are some that would look at that as a disappointment because of of our last couple championships. But again, it's easy for me, or easier, I should say, as I step back as AD to sit there and look at, there are a whole lot of first year, second year, some third, but I mean, I I think there's only one or maybe two seniors on that entire roster. Yeah, and where where the program may be the same, the individual pieces are very much different. And so um, 
yeah, we didn't have the, the first place finish that we've kind of grown accustomed to. But I think if you look at who was on the roster and, and the, the performances they did, again, great performances and a lot to look forward to with this young crew that continues to develop. Yep, and we did have a conference championship in the group in, in Maggie Landwehr who won the pole vault. To my knowledge, that's our first one, in, in, and maybe it's not. I mean, I, I don't know everyone every time, but I know that's not historically an event that we have gone in and won, so huge shout-out to Maggie. And then some individuals, too. We had uh, people that ran in the finals in the 60-meter. The uh, you know, Grace Hambique uh, won it. Nibras Lundquam, who I saw the other day walking across campus and gave her a fist pound. Um, you know, Elizabeth Frias uh, ran in the 200 for us. McKenna Langerud was back, and I know uh, we talked about it before. You know, McKenna was studying abroad. Mm-hmm. last fall so I mean maybe working out at that point in time too but still to come back um and just on a personal note too uh, 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 just a student I love her mm-hmm. she's just yeah. she embodies Cougar um she won the conference championship in in cross country as a first year kid and then just had an unbelievable stretch of injuries and ailments and things that that impacted some of her um, maybe stats when it all looks at it but but to see her plight and her battle and her competitiveness I just I just, everything about her um, resonates with what I think all stu- you know Cougar student athletes were in terms of determination. But anyhow, she was back. Kim Peters doing what Kim Peters does as a multi-sport athlete. So all that to say, a third place finish is what it is. It, it's something we should all be darn proud of. It's right. maybe not a championship, but it's one of those things where, in terms of setting the table for outdoor, and then also for you know the future in track and field, I, I continue to just be incredibly excited about about um, what what they bring to the table. Uh, a couple other uh, just kind of noteworthy items for you. Um, let's talk tennis. Uh, and in terms of they continue to compete and have now got several matches under their belt, but they are going to take an unbelievable break here, Tim, in terms of time um, that, that they competed this past weekend uh, versus a non-conference and a conference opponent. On the women's side, they lost to Concordia Moorhead. But then they went in and got their first UMAC victory of the year, beating the number two team, at least preseason poll, in the UMAC. Right. And we've talked about preseason polls and how, I don't want to use the word meaningless they are, because that, but what what the preseason poll does is it gives gives someone outside the program at least a snapshot of kind of what to expect, or what, at least what conference coaches uh, have a feel for what to expect. And for us to go, and beat University of Wisconsin Superior, who, as you mentioned, was the number two preseason pick. And that that bodes very well for our women's tennis program to yep. be able to go up there and beat them six to three. Uh, absolutely phenomenal and, and a really really great start to the conference season. Well, and I think it sets it sets up the conference for what the rest of this schedule will look like. And obviously, weather's going to play a big deal with it, yeah, right? Of like course. we don't have the indoor facility; most people don't. Um, which is why there's this break, like I just referenced, March 25th will be the next tennis yes. match. So there's going to be a whole lot of gym time uh, for the men and the women. But really, as I look at the conference, specifically on the women's side, you have got Northwestern and then everybody else. Sure. Northwestern last year, I think, went like 22-3 and three in tennis. Wow. They were, wow. yeah, they were, they were awesome. Superior finished two. We made the tournament ourselves. But really, I think that difference between two and six... I think is marginal. Now, sure. can Superior beat us the next time? I hope not, but could they? Sure. Yeah. But to go get that 6-3 win and start off our conference season with a W, that's huge for that team. Um, it's huge for you know, for Coach Michelle, who is now in her first season with us as our head coach. Um, so huge shout-out to tennis. And again, we will get, um, I'm sure we'll get Consuelo in here with us too to talk about tennis, specifically now that we've got a month to get it set up. Um, and then the men competed as well too. They actually took 
uh, one of the matches versus Concordia, so they they ended up losing uh, one to eight, and then lost um, all of them on on the the conference side of things. Uh, but I think our men's program is in a position right now where they're they're going to fight and claw and try you to bet. get to that fourth spot in the playoffs. Yep. You know, ultimately they'd like to get to the conference tournament. Superior on the guys' side is awesome. They're dudes. They're good. Yeah. So. Um, We've got an opportunity here in the next month to kind of to tune it in and, and hopefully on the guy's side turn that corner too and, and reel off some victories as well. Uh, and turning now to just uh, we know that the swim and dive uh, competitive season was over, but some awards came out that I think we can highlight um, in terms of the liberal arts championships. We have some some individuals uh, and some relay people that uh, made the all LACs. Um, you earn this with a top three finish in an individual event or a relay in our 200 freestyle relay uh, one with Paulina and Shannon, Abby and Lily. So congratulations to them. Um, Shannon Doherty on the individual side in the 50 freestyle and 100 free um, earned all LAC. And then, of course, Lexi Gertis in the 200 butterfly, uh, another all LAC uh, award winner there. And then um, as we've had in other programs, the CSC Academic All-District uh, came out for the swim and dive team as well. And both Abby Doyle and Lily Radens uh, were re- recipients of that. So congratulations to them doing things uh, well, obviously, both academically and in the pool. So yep. congrats to them. And again, for those CSC Academic All-District, that's the old school COSIDA um, All-American, that now they're, they're a regional award winner that they go, and, and the opportunity exists on, on in men's and women's basketball, mm-hmm. um, who had a couple recipients here in swimming and diving, et cetera, for a chance to potentially be an academic All-American, uh, which whether these students win it or not, uh, like you can say for the vast majority of our kids, they are. They I mean, are. We have some, they're, whether they're a 3-7, 3-8, 3-9, 3-3, they, for what they put into the court, the pool, the, the field, et cetera, um, any recognition they can receive is well worth it, and, and it continues for swimming and diving. I will also just say, as, as um, you know, it's gotten some notoriety, our men's swimming and diving program, which started, what, two weeks ago? I mean, just now. Um, Coach Moldsworth has already had people reaching out to him about the Great. opportunity to come here and swim, Great. and once again, there are only seven other programs in this state. Um, so, you know, if, 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 and as that, our net grows and the talk of our program grows, I've got really high expectations for what that program is going to look like. And, um, and with obviously with coach Molesworth at the, at the helm, it, it hopefully is on to bigger and better things as we go. Yep. Fantastic. And as we look ahead, uh, schedule wise here in, in Cougar athletics, um, we'll talk baseball briefly. Coach O'Brien, again, phenomenal today. Uh, pretty soft-spoken guy. He can, he, like he said, he could he could go on forever talking about his program and things. Uh, the guy just oozes passion. Yeah. He might be he might be uh, kind of soft-spoken, but the guy just oozes passion for for his program and his guys. Absolutely love it. Well, he knows who he is, yes. and you know that's the whole thing. And and in some ways, I mean, I as weird as it sounds like I see myself in coach O'Brien a little bit too. Cause even when I'm my football coach, you know, you think fiery and yeah, yeah. that wasn't me. Right. You know what? I'm, I'm more cerebral, but I know what my expectations are and how, yes. I, how we get there. And, and I try to even do that in the athletic department, right? I, I it's going to have to be a weird day for me to come and actually light somebody up. Right. But I can express displeasure or joy in other ways, you know? And, and yes, you can do both of those very well. By well, the way. yeah, it depends Boss. on who you talk to. I apologize. <laughs> but um, but the reality is, yeah, OB does that. And honestly, that's where a guy like, and he referenced his staff, like where Mason Rapp is huge. Yes. Because Mason's a different character. Absolutely. You know there's what a, I mean? There's a different personality there. But when you look at, at Coach Ballantyne, Harry is, is too. Harry's quiet and they do their own thing, you know? And, 
every, all of our coaching staff are all different, right? We all have our own different personalities. We have our different relationships. I talk a lot about family, but it's not like we're all holding hands and skipping through the daisies together, sure. right? Like you don't have to have that, but you have to be able to play off of each other and, and understand what your role is. And, and OB has got his role and his kids love it. And I love it's great. it. So it's great. So anyway, baseball, as, as he mentioned, will open at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, next week. We're anxious to see those results and then, of course, follow them as they head down to Florida. Uh, softball has games tomorrow and Saturday down in the Augsburg Dome um, as they kick things off there. And, of course, men's track and field, uh, Platteville and Wartburg this weekend for what they call those the Qualify. uh, well, I don't know. qualifiers I mean, or last chance. Th- there or, you go. And again, yeah. we've got two athletes going, and and specifically Cody's got a chance. And if he can make a nationals, that's I mean, awesome. again, it's huge, huge for us. Uh, looking ahead, also to next week, we got Heather Penny Roy joining us as senior woman administrator, which I'm going to ask her. And as we talked a little bit about what that role is to her, but then more directly as our head softball you coach bet. too. I think it's on Tuesday next week. Not that we well, we've fallen off the wagon of Wednesdays anyhow. Um, but Heather will actually have a chance to recap those first games with Great. us down in the Augie Dome and, and get after Cougar softball too. So we're excited about that. So that's going to wrap us up. Um, as we've done here recently, we're sitting at an hour and 15 minutes or so, but it's well worth it when we get a chance to share some of that knowledge and some of that personality that our other coaching colleagues bring into us and for Jack to you know eat a little bit of crow and, uh, and apologize to his mom. So... Um, for Inside the Den, this has been Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. A uh, special shout-out again to Mike Seahawk for all of his engineer work and Mr. Gowland House. We're going to take you out of it. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Into the Den with Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Let's put a bow on this thing. To get the latest episodes of Into the Den, follow us on Spotify and online at morriscookers.com. Until next time, go Cougars!